humble our hearts in a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for a beautiful spring morning. Thank you for this facility that we can gather around your word. We ask that you would give us government and leaders that would look to you, that would allow us to continue to fellowship and gather freely. We ask this morning that your spirit would be in our midst, that it would open this word for us, and that it would open our hearts for us, that we could hear that message of salvation, we could hear what Christ has done for us, that we could be given guidance, correction, what is needed for each of us, and that you could give us faith and make fresh those messages that are needful for each of us. We ask that you would give us the wisdom and understanding to walk, that you would be glorified and that hearts could be drawn to you, and that others could see that need and feel that need for Christ. We ask that you would Give us wisdom as parents or God-grandparents that we could give those little ones the leading and guiding and that we could walk, that they could be drawn and that faith could be important to them also. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with 376.
May we be greeted with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I will turn to the book of Romans, to the first chapter. I'll start reading at the 16th verse. And I'll read down through the 23rd. Reading in Jesus' name. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of Christ revealed through faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him, not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, make like unto corruptible man, and to bird, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Amen. This text that Paul has written here. It's, I could keep on reading and it goes on and I guess lays out the depravity of man, if I put it that way, and how man tends to go downhill when they turn away from God. Paul is writing this to the people that are in Rome. He says there that he is ready to preach the gospel to them. <clears throat> it is something that I believe that all of us as Christians, I hope that we would be able to say this, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And it is interesting how he words it. We could say that it it gives us the ability to be saved, but he words it that it is the power of God unto salvation. And it is something that we say it, and I trust that we would believe it, But I think it is important to remember that it is God who provided salvation. The Bible points us that it is God that gives faith. It is God who gives his spirit. And it is why this gospel is so important that we would share it, that we would be quick to share it openly when we have opportunity. 
that we would not be ashamed to share it. We look at the world around us. And I don't think that there is any question that there is a need for that gospel message. We look at what is going on in the world and there is a definite and clear lack of truth. There is a lack of that message of salvation. As we go down through here, we see that that message was given to man and it is given to the hearts of those who believe. We understand when we have experienced that gospel message for ourselves, the importance of it. We see in ourselves those same desires, those same problems that are in the world. And they are only come, overcome, I should say, by the power of the Spirit of God. Yes, people have the ability through willpower to, for a period of time, or even maybe for a long period of time, to overcome something that maybe is a problem. But it is only that spirit that has the ability to change a heart, to even change a mind, or change our focus, that we can walk free from those things of the flesh, even if they still dwell in our natural being. Because of what Christ has done in the Spirit of God, we can be free from that. And we can be free from sin and have peace of a good conscience before God. And we can have that assurance of salvation. And we know that Jesus at the beginning of his ministry says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I say this so often, but then at the end, he lays out that message that he tells his disciples and All Christians, down to this day, that we would go and share that message. The essence, I guess I would say the essence of the gospel is that repentance and remission of sins. And that we could elaborate what Christ has done for us. That we could, people could come to believe and understand that message. And that is why it is so important that we would not be ashamed of it and that we understand that it is through that message. God has the power to change hearts, to work repentance, to provide forgiveness, to provide faith in his spirit. And it is the most important thing that would happen in a heart in this world. And it is why we are encouraged so often and so clearly to share it. And I guess also why the devil is so busy trying to 
work to make us, our human nature, show forth that we would be ashamed of that. The world wants to belittle it. They want to make it seem unimportant, old-fashioned, something that is unimportant that we've moved past. It is anything but. It is what we would want first and foremost to go forth that people could see and be drawn to. There is nothing that is more important. It says it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And we see that it is faith and believing in what Christ has done that produces that power that we could be saved. God sent Christ to accomplish our salvation for us, to pay for that sin that we are, to pay for that sin that we do, and not just for us individually, but for everyone. And yes, we can't be corporately saved, That is an individual thing that God works in each and every heart. But it is a message that is available for all of mankind. And it is a message that we have no boundaries on who we are or can share it with. And while we can't give faith, we cannot give God's spirit to anyone. We cannot make someone believe something. No matter how we would try to do that, we can share what Christ has done. And it says here, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We understand that that message was given and it speaks of Abraham as being the father of faith. Because salvation came through faith. Even in the Old Testament, it was faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. And it says that Abraham had faith in what God told him to do. It produced actions in him. And it was accounted to righteousness. It is the same today. Our faith in Christ produces actions. And those actions show that the righteousness of Christ dwells in us. And it is ours in spite of this flesh that we walk around with. It says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed through faith to faith that is written, The just shall live by faith. If we are justified because of what Christ has done, and we have the faith to believe that, the Bible tells us that the righteousness of Christ becomes ours, and that is how God looks on us. If we look at our lives on a day-to-day basis, and I would hope, and I don't know why I say this, because well, I know why I say it, and I just hope I don't say it becomes repetitive. That we would honestly look 
at our lives. If we think in First in John, it tells us anyone who says that they don't sin, they are a liar. thought I could just turn to it. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He says, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The problem, because of what Christ has done, is no longer sin. Yes, sin is the problem, but it has been paid for. The problem isn't that it can't be forgiven, because what Christ has done made it that it can be forgiven. The problem becomes, as it says there in John, not confessing it, not owning up to the fact that we sin. Because if we do and confess it, it says, He is just and faithful to forgive. And it is that faith in that fact that allows us to come, as it says, coming boldly to that throne of grace and altar of mercy. It isn't boldness in our abilities, it's boldness in faith that there is forgiveness found there. And we see that that righteousness of God's that is ours through Christ is available to us through faith. Faith in what Christ has done for us. And as it says, the just shall live by faith. Not by our ability to be good, not in our ability to fulfill the law, not that it isn't good and right to walk upright, walk as God would direct us and want us to walk. We are encouraged in the Bible to do that, but that does not save us. Faith in Christ comes first, and all those things come after that. We read the beginning of Second Peter. <clears throat> we quote this quite often. It says, besides this giving diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So there we see that faith comes first. Adding to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. We read in that chapter, in 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, about charity. And it is, says that it is something that we should desire to have. And it lays out how charity works and encourages us to walk in that way. But we see there that it is a goal that God has for us. But it begins in faith in Christ and that faith in Christ we can add these things and it is added through the spirit we can't produce any of those things in ourselves 
But the Spirit of God can. If we think that we are going to produce them, we are going to fail miserably. And it is where we find that there's forgiveness. And if we feel that we are justified before God, that he sees us as righteous and holy, it is because of what Christ has done. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. This verse here, just the wording of it, it's interesting. And I think part of the problem is, I mean, I I feel like I've read the King James Bible, if I put it that way, all my life. And so many of these old English words and phrasing that many people find so difficult, it, it doesn't. But I think this is phrasing that is said in a way that we don't often use nowadays. I think, you know, it would maybe be easier if we said unrighteousness of men who withhold the truth in unrighteousness. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness. We can read, especially in the Old Testament, those people, they would turn away from God, and we can see the results of it, that God turned away from them, and they had problems. Sometimes there's, well, he speaks of cursing them with things, and we see it happening. They turn back to God, and they are blessed. We see that God, while he is loving and just and merciful, he is also righteous and holy and He can be wrathful against unrighteousness and ungodliness. But I think this is speaking that there is a special level of that wrath on those that would cover up the righteousness or truth of God. And that their, their understanding of that truth by living unrighteously. God, as it says in the next verse, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it unto them. I've used this analogy at times. We can't look at the sun really. We cannot see light necessarily. We look at the sun and it is too bright for us very quickly. It hurts our eyes. The Bible tells us that man cannot look on the face of God without it killing him. People have that thought that they can go and deal directly with God. And I heard someone who said that, well, if there is a God, when I die, I will deal with him. I would hope as Christians that we would have the wisdom to share the truth with someone like that if we were to come across them, that that is far too late, and that we as people, we do not want to deal directly with God. And God, in his wisdom, understands that. And that is why 
we are to reflect God in our actions. We see light because it reflects off things. It reveals things because it reflects off them. We can see each other because light is reflected off us and we can see that person then. We can see what they are. It is how God works. He has revealed himself to people through his spirit. And that is to reflect out that others could see that. And if through our actions we are living in such a manner that the unrighteousness that we are is showing forth so much that God is not seen and God is not reflected. It's a problem and God does not like that. It says God is manifest in them. God is manifest in his children. I've said this before. I believe that this is one way that we can look at it. I believe that we should be mirrors. And any glory that would come to us would be reflected to God because that's where any glory is deserved. And that people, when they look at us, they would see God reflecting out in our lives. When we sin, there is, if I say, spots or dirt that's thrown on that mirror, and, and we all of a sudden don't become not Christians, but that reflection of God that should be showing forth gets distorted and covered up, and the more and more that's on there, pretty soon we can't see. God is no longer reflected in our lives. And we are taking any glory for ourselves. And I believe that that is what, why God has given forgiveness, that that mirror could be cleaned. We talk about cleaning the slate. There is forgiveness that we could reflect God clearly. That is what God wants here. Because it is through his children that he has reflected to the world that people could be drawn to him. And if that is being covered up by us living unrighteously here, as it says, it's a problem. And we, I would pray that God would work, that that would not happen. It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. We can see the natural things in this world that God created. And it doesn't matter whether someone is a Christian or not a Christian. If we look at the power that there is to create the mountains or the sun or this universe or the infinite detail that's needed to create life or even rocks or whatever. And how much more? Those things 
that are unseen of God, of faith, love, salvation, that those things would be clearly seen and understood by the world so that they could find a need for them, see a drawing in those things, that they could find a need in their heart for Christ. That they could look and have the desire to look for Christ. And that we could share with the heart that is seeking where Christ may be found. We see that it is his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. We see that it even tells us here that that power of God, he shows it forth in the Godhead. We speak of that triune God, of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and how the three are one. And it is how God works in this world. He works through his spirit. And Christ even says that the spirit would bring all things to our remembrance of what he has taught us and what Christ has done. We come to see the truth of what Christ has done by the revelation of the spirit of God. And when we share that gospel message with someone or the message of salvation with someone, or what Christ has done. And we could say all those things are covered by saying that gospel message. We're speaking of Christ. And that spirit can work and use that message in a heart. <clears throat> so that they are without excuse. Because when that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. I believe that this is speaking back to those people who have that knowledge of God, that knowledge of salvation, but by their actions they are covering up God. We read the parable of the the three individuals who were given the talent and how they used it and how in some it grew and how in the one he covered it up. And when God came, God was not happy with him. We are not to cover up what God has given us. We are not to cover up the righteousness of Christ Jesus. It is a problem. God says we have no excuse. That we should glorify God. And it's an interesting thing here. The very thing that we know that we are to love God. God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. 
But here, it tells us that we should be thankful. I happened to listen this morning to a little thing, and they were talking about the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness. And when they desired to go back to Egypt because they were hungry and thirsty. And there was a number of men who were looking at this and sharing their thoughts. And I found it interesting that there was wording there that had not occurred to me that these people, they were not just hungry and thirsty. They were being fed and they were being given water, but they were had a, a desire beyond that and a craving for things more than they needed and as soon as that happens we see what happened they became unthankful for what they had and they even looked back at at Egypt as being good we see and God was not happy with them at all We live in a time in history that, yes, we see that things are going downhill, if I put it that way. Our mankind seems to have a concerted effort to turn away from God. And we, as Christians, we tremble at the results of that. But we have lived and we have experienced some of the greatest freedom, some of the greatest richness that man has ever experienced. And yet we can see as people, and we don't have to look past ourselves, that it's very easy to be unthankful for something. And that unthankfulness for that one thing can seem to cover up or mask so many things that we have to be thankful for. And I remember my grandfather saying it, and it stuck with me, and I think it is very true is probably why it stuck with me. That if we as people, and especially as Christians, would take the time to count our blessings and be thankful for them, we would not find time to be upset. And yet we can very quickly gloss over all those blessings. They become... We are so blessed that they become almost, we take them for granted. And we can look at problems we have and they can seem so huge. And and perhaps at times they are. But even if we have huge, overwhelming problems, there are still things to be thankful for. And let us be thankful. It's very easy for this human nature to be negative. It's very easy for us to look at things that are wrong and be unthankful. And it, as I said, we look around us and God has blessed us, I could say almost overwhelmingly, in abundance. And yet, our human being has the ability to be unthankful. And it goes down here, and we see it happening in our world today. 
how man's depravity starts taking him downhill and how it turns away from God and gets worse and worse and worse. And I believe that this is a serious warning to us as Christians especially. That in spite of the troubles that are in the world and in spite of the trouble that that might be causing us, and perhaps persecution that may come, that we could still be thankful for God. Because the truth of the matter is, if there's nothing else in life to be thankful for, if we have faith in Christ, and that knowledge that we are a child of God is in our heart, it is something to be thankful for. Because even if they were to kill us, we have something that is even better than the best that this life can offer to look forward to. And it doesn't matter if we lived as long as Methuselah. It is a short period compared to eternity. It is nothing. And I don't think there's any of us that are even going to live anywhere close to that long. Life here is very short. And As we get older, we recognize that. And yes, it is good to live life, if I say, to the fullest. God encourages us. We are encouraged to do that. But we are also encouraged to look to God and be thankful for what He has given us. Then it starts, and if I say it almost turns and starts laying out the problems that happen to people when we do not glorify God and are not thankful to Him. And I think that if we look back as we already read those few verses, it is specifically pointed at anybody who understands what Christ has done for them. Understand the righteousness of God and then turns away and doesn't do those things. It says, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts, their foolish heart was darkened. If we turn away from God, we are immediately turning to our own abilities. And man's, if I use this word that's used here, our imaginations can come up with all sorts of things. But in reality, it is foolishness. And it just darkens the heart. It darkens the light that we would want to shine forth from us, from God. Because as Christians, that is our biggest purpose here. That God would show forth in our lives that others could be drawn and saved. We have no greater goal. And it doesn't mean that we have to go on a mission trip. It simply means that we're encouraged to walk by faith. 
And that what faith would show what we believe, which is in Christ. And that would show forth in our lives. That we would not live with our imaginations or in the foolishness of our own thinking. That we would live in the surety and truth of God. Is professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We see today there are all sorts of different teachings and men that are very intelligent. And they can come up with things and they claim it as wisdom, and wisdom that should be beneficial to people. And people can come up with all sorts of ideas and do good and different motivations of how to walk better or live better or have a better life. But if it isn't of God, it's foolishness. And as Christians, we can see that in their claim to be wise... They are making themselves foolish. It says they became fools. And that is simply what happens when people turn away from God. If we look at it this way, God has said, through Christ Jesus, you can have salvation and eternity in perfection. And people would, and if you don't take advantage of that, you have to look forward to hell. And that is something that I don't think we can really understand any more than heaven. And yet people will say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. We have other ways of dealing with those things. When God has very clearly said, no, Christ is the way. And yet they turn away from Christ. And even with our natural reasoning, we can understand the foolishness in that. And when we have the spirit and that understanding of Christ, we see how foolish it is. And yet it's human nature. I don't know why this thought popped into my head, but we see, I don't think we see that human nature has changed any. I I read this morning about God creating the world, God creating all the plants and the animals and mankind. And it says then he, he makes a garden. And he puts all the trees that are good to eat and to look at in there. And he puts the tree of life in there. And he puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells man, stay away from that. If we as Christians put ourselves in Adam and Eve's place, 
not, we would think that the first thing that we would do or should do is go and partake of that tree of life. It's what we are encouraged to do today because the other is wrong and causes problems and separation between man and God. We as Christians, basically what we are doing is, through the gospel message, offering people that they can feed upon that tree of life, which is Christ. And yet people put it off, put it off, put it off. Don't find any interest in it. They look at ways of dealing with good and evil. And it does not lead to the tree of life. We see the foolishness of human flesh. In, I believe it's the 12th chapter of Romans. He's speaking and he says, beginning at the first verse, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. That we would turn away from this world and turn to God, that our thinking could even be changed by that Spirit of God. That what is important to our flesh would not be what we see as really important. But what is important to the heart and what is important to the Spirit of God would be important. Because this text that we read shows the problems that come if we turn to our own reasoning and our own thinking. It says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible men and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The glory that is supposed to be given to God, people will take for themselves. And not only that, and, and we see it, that people, not only do they not glorify God, and we know that people are made in the image of God, so there is a little bit of, if I say reason, that we could see how people could be glorified. But they don't even stop there. They turn and they worship idols that they make with their own hands or something that is just an animal in this world. And it tells us in one place in the Bible how people that have money, they take things to a, a, a goldsmith and he carves them out an idol and they don't even have that. They do it out of wood and, and, and they worship it. And we see how foolish that is. That it's nothing but a piece of wood. And we are to worship it as something that would have benefit to us people at least in some ways can help us and yes they can also destroy us as Christians let us put our glory and our worship and our thanksgiving where it belongs to God 
and share that message of why we do that with others. And pray that God would give us the wisdom and the strength and ability to walk in such a way that anyone who does not believe could see see God reflected in our life and have a desire for that for themselves. I'm sure many of us have spoken to someone who was drawn into faith because of what they saw in someone else. They can't explain what they saw or they couldn't just before they came into faith. They just saw there was something different. And they had a hunger for that. They saw that it was something that was beneficial. I pray that God would not allow us to be of those who would cover that up. That we would be as that candle that is not covered by a bushel, but put on a candlestick that the world could see. And we can do that by faith in Christ. By listening to the leading and guiding of that still small voice. God will and can use us to his glory and to his honor. But it says that he even makes the evil people for those that evil day that his glory could be glorified in their destruction. I pray that it would not be so with any of us. That God would be reflected. The love of Christ Jesus would be reflected. And that we would be very clearly be seen walking by faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we close with 343. So I guess as everyone sees, we're back here at the little church, so there's no, pot, no more potlucks for now. Is there anybody who's able to have Bible study on Thursday? I know it's getting a busier time of year and that, so maybe we'll just leave it for this week. If someone looks like they can have it or something, we can get the message around, I'm sure. So, anyway, so we close with 343.